Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and we have Ryan Wellmans, the co-founder and CEO of SoPro again, to talk about B2B prospecting. For our listeners who are joining us for the first time, here's a quick recap. On previous episodes, we talked about Ryan's company, SoPro, and how he's built several businesses during his entrepreneurial journey. Today, we're going to talk about how B2B businesses can identify and engage new prospects effectively. I also want to talk to you about a few things in regards to, because, you know, you and I know this, and I don't know if my the listeners know this, but the, just the difference between B2B prospecting and B2C, right? Because I really want to talk, because obviously you guys have heavy, heavy experience with B2B. That's what you guys have built your $14 million gem in the last seven years off of, right? So you obviously have a little bit of experience there last time I checked. I think you guys are pretty seasoned. But how is B2B prospecting different than B2C prospecting? Like, what is, what is in your opinion on that? All right, so they are, they're totally different from a customer's perspective. The, the reasons are, there's probably two main reasons that drive the differences. Um, one is there's a, big, there's a big difference in the regulatory landscape. So there's differences in um, data compliance, consent requirements for storage and processing of personal data. So it's very easy in most countries to store business data and to contact businesses about a product or service. Um, you know, and, and you, you generally don't need consent to do that. So um, it's a practical, um, you know, the direct outreach is a practical option to market, um, which is just not the case in B2C. So very heavily regulated. Um, yeah, storing data um, and separately the marketing communications regulations. So the actual act of sending an email, um, you know, this, this, so the UK, for example, separate regs. Um, governing when and when you can and when you can't do that. And in most countries in Europe as well. Um, so yeah, you've got a compliance um, landscape that, that just totally divides uh, the methods of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even irrespective of that, I think value, product value plays a bigger part. So if you think um, the, the vast majority of B2B sales tends to be higher value products and services. And even if I was selling a low value item, let's say I'm selling a photocopier, for example, pretty low value B2B sale, I'm going to take, it's going to tend to be wrapped up in a um, office uh, supply contract where there'll be other, you know, other mm-hmm. machines or kit or different sites supporters, so wrapped into a high value thing. So uh, whereas, you know, consumer marketing, you know, I don't know what the last thing, I, you know, perhaps a, you know, clothing, uh, consumer goods, you know, just any kind of online resale. Yeah, you know, they're low value stuff. You know, the stuff I did on Facebook is a pretty cool um, mouse that was uh, that was the last thing I clicked. I clicked a, an ad for on Facebook. I think it was a hundred dollars or something. But at that kind of price range, you can't, you know, you can't pay somebody to to sell that product to yeah. to you. you know, there's never going to be a, a kind of human to human sales relationship there. Um, and it can't, so the, the principle here um, that I'm going, to, going around the houses to elaborate is a larger products have a, they can tolerate the higher cost per sale, can't they? Um, and if you think of, so, so to, to throw some numbers in, um, for example, so let's say uh, SoPro generates meetings at, um, you know, sales meetings at somewhere between like $35 and $50. Well, we know that uh, businesses are generally going to convert um, somewhere between one in three and one in ten of those. Let's call it, I don't know, one in one in three for now, for argument's sake. So you've got um, potentially a, a, up to one hundred and fifty dollar marketing cost 
um, just you know, standalone from SoPro in there. Um, well, that's fine if you're selling um, you know, a, a B2B solution that might be $100,000. It's, a, it's, a, it's a not, yeah. a, not an expense you're going to notice. But if your product cost is, is under a couple of thousand dollars, that's going to start eating into your margin very, very significantly. So, yeah, that tends to be the, the product price that actually dictates the um, method of sale. And yeah, that's why a lot of low value stuff, you get the ads on Facebook and you know, click through, buy it through the website. Um, it's a low cost sales process. I had a, I had a, this is a, <laughs> if you'll indulge me with a funny story, actually, I, um, yeah. I had a, I had, the, I had a very funny call with, this week. I had a phone call from somebody trying to sell uh, bespoke suits. It was a, a bespoke tailor based in London. And it, but it was a call from a call center. I could hear in the background other people making making calls. You know the ones it beeps and guys yeah. reading oh, it yeah. for the first time. Um, and the service he was offering was a, a, a tailored suit service. Now I know, I know that for, from telesales. I mean, we I, I look at sale the, the cost per unit each step of the sales process every, all day every day. Right, that's what I do. So I yeah. know that telesales is going to generate sales appointments somewhere between 200 and 400 pounds, right? And they're going to convert, let's say optimistically, they're going to convert one in three of those to a customer. So you're sending me, so this suit, right? I'm going to, if I'm going to purchase a suit, the, the price of this suit is going to have to include somewhere between a 600 pound and a 1200 pound marketing cost. Yeah. <laughs> before, before they've even considered the cost of producing the suit. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know uh, how expensive your, your suits are, Shane, but... <laughs> that's certainly not a uh, seems like a premium a price bracket that I can really yeah uh, I can afford so yeah that's um that's that that's a difference B two B B two C and we are exclusively B two B yeah no it makes total sense I mean that, and especially when you explain it that way I think that's a, a, a an interesting way to think of it obviously B two B you're looking for the higher price items right because and then it's like you have a marketing cost of the lead generation or the, getting the qualified leads there's going to be a cost there. So what, what channels would you recommend for B2B prospecting? Like I know it's probably different per channel, but is there any place that you say, hey, these are these are some channels that we use? I mean, obviously emails, right? I mean, I, thought, I think that's a kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, email's a no-brainer. I mean, we've got pretty much a full stack of um, above the line and below the line stuff going on. So yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, regardless of what I say, everyone's going to have a social media strategy and they're going to be posting on yeah. LinkedIn, you know, Twitter and, and stuff like that. Um, what's delivering results? Yeah, I mean, email definitely. I mean, are you going to be the LinkedIn guy? I don't know what your your, your inbox <laughs> looks like at the moment, but yeah, oh. that's, yeah, I, I, I'd say steer away from that. I think you, you're in danger of doing kind of more damage than good with a, a kind of, you know, connection request and then, you know, 30 seconds later, I'd, you know, I'd like to offer you this yeah. service. It, it, yeah, you know, that's yeah. not, not a great look. Um, I think LinkedIn can be used in, in, in other ways, you know, perhaps to develop relationships, but, you know, don't have a machine doing it for you, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, cold calling. We're breathing new life into cold calling at the moment. Hard to believe. I, I, and asked me two years ago, I would never have said this. Um, I'll tell you how we're doing it. So we, so most cold calling happens, um, everyone, you know, playing the volume game, you do a hundred calls a day um, and reading your name, you know, somebody's name as the, you know, the, the call pops up and, you know, or 60 seconds research. And, and actually that's generally not, not, not particularly effective. But yeah. um, so the last time I was sold to 
over the phone. It's, um, it was actually September of last year, so over a year ago now. Um, but I, it taught me a, re a really good lesson because this, um, the gentleman that phoned me up was so incredibly informed about who I was, what we were doing as a business, our competitors, you know, things that I'd written, you know, blog posts, um, awards that we'd won recently, you know, you know it, news, you know, press releases. Um, and to just casually kind of weave those things into a conversation absolutely turned it from a sales call to something totally different. And we wrote, we wrote a, a huge check. It was actually to, to attend an event. Actually, uh, remind me, I'm not going to come on to event attendance in a second. But um, so we and we totally re restructured the SoPro platform on the back of that. Um, and because what we now have is this view is a view of a company. Uh, it's company level, but it's everything you could possibly want to know about that company in one place. So every prospect you ever engaged, every interaction event in a timeline, um, sort of set out chronologically, um, emails delivered, people that have clicked from a campaign onto your website, which pages they viewed. Oh, I noticed after my last call, you jumped on to have a look at our pricing. Well, that's that's a pretty good line to throw into. Yeah. Um, you've got, um, we've got all of the new, news articles relating to your company literally stacked one by one next you know in in that profile you've got all of their social feeds uh, literally you know it's 60 minutes of research in 60 seconds and then all of a sudden you're able to like you can be productive in a in an outbound sales environment just arming yourself with information in this way so that's really breathed a lot of new life into our uh, telephone best outreach i mean yeah that's um I think it's still you, the other half of the challenge is salespeople are, you know, quite comfortable getting a load of leads handed to them at the moment. And yeah. you know, you, so, so then it's probably a, a recommendation to outsource to a call center. Uh, but yeah, there is, there is a hundred percent. There is mileage in B two B cold calling. And the other one, I, yeah. So touched on events just now. I mean, we we've got back into events recently. Obviously, with coronavirus and. Um, all yeah. the restrictions that events have been off the scene pretty much for 18 months or so. Um, and we were, yeah, generally um, had a pretty, pretty busy events calendar, um, trade shows, conferences, um, exhibitions. Um, but yeah, so just that we had, we had two in the last four weeks. Um, we tend to target events with where we might pick up larger businesses, larger opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the reason, the reason for that is, is um, it relates to the earlier point. Um, because the cost of generating opportunities through events, we're tallying it up at the moment. Total spend when you consider hotels and you know drinks and, Food and you know, yeah. covering the bar and it, you know we're looking around about a thousand thousand dollars per qualified lead at the moment from uh, the last events, um, and we're kind of looking at thinking, you know oh, we're really glad that you know the events have come back on the calendar. But, you know they're <laughs> great to be face to face again. Looking at the cost per lead. Because we've been running, with, you know, with with our, our primarily digital channels at you know a fraction of that. We're literally talking like five to ten percent of that cost per lead over yeah. the last eighteen months. And thinking, wow, do we really want to go back into events? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that you yeah. I mean, it, we we pick up we do pick up clients, but it is I guess it's an expensive thing. So probably the um, the, the crux of that point, I think, if your product value or service value can support it, events are you know there's there's there they're going to work for you if, if you if you're pulling in enough revenue yeah yeah that's what it comes down to and hey what is the lifetime value of the client the customer and all the other fun stuff how many people can you pull in we've done i've done a lot of speaking events and we 
we didn't really see necessarily the ROI when I did a lot of speaking events, you know, I mean, it would, I would still get some things going and, you know, once again, we would have sometimes have a booth, sometimes not have a booth. I think it just depends on the event and, and your salespeople and, and I mean, what you're pitching. I mean, there's obviously a lot of moving pieces there. Um, well, cool, Ryan, this has been, uh, this has been a great little interview. The, this is the part that we call this the fun section, which I always say this every time I feel like it, it was fun before this, right? I mean, I feel like we were getting up there. I mean, this wasn't, my ties on the exotic island fund yet. I mean, I feel like we were sneaking up there. If we had another hour, we'd be probably definitely having a beer together or something like that, even though we're on different parts of the world right now. Rumor has it, I've heard it from a, a little birdie that if you weren't running SoPro, that you would actually be probably trading crypto or that you're currently trading crypto. Um, Cause I know you touched a little on that a little bit earlier on in the interview about crypto. So give us a little, what, what attracts you to this little, the stuff we call cryptocurrency? Yeah. Um, yeah, so oh, there's so many facets to crypto that are of interest, and I think there's it, trading crypto is, is one of those things that I think uh, you know it's slightly different to to trading forex or um, company stocks, for example. You know, the best way to trade crypto is really to buy some and then not do anything for ten years. You know, it isn't really a, <laughs> you know that, that kind of you know going in doing it, looking at watching the markets during the day. I mean that's. That's not really my cup of tea. I don't have the time for it either. I think, um, but it's yeah, just I think it's a good. Um, we've got a we've got a technology set that is it seems to have kind of organically evolved, right? We've got a mysterious creator or you know, individual or group of people that's <laughs> notorious Satoshi Nakamoto uh, behind Bitcoin, and then obviously everything that's followed suit the other. Uh, blockchain protocols that are um, out and about doing different weird and wonderful things. Um, I think first and foremost, what Bitcoin gives the world is a store of value that might perform slightly better over time than some of the traditional fiat currencies. Um, and that's, I just think that's, that's of interest. I think anybody that's um, interested in um, not, not watching their hard-earned savings evaporate is a good case to add some Bitcoin to your portfolio. Um, I think uh, longer term, and you know, some of the other slightly more, um, you know, you've got the other sort of smart platforms like um, Ethereum, for example, they're just doing all manner of awesome stuff with smart contracts. You might have, um, there's a, the, 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 the real wild west at the moment is the NFT craze. So yeah. I don't know if you've heard of NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It's, it's interesting. So I mean, fungibility, this, um, the idea that my, yeah, a dollar coin is the same as another dollar coin is the same as another dollar coin. It doesn't really matter which one you've got. That's fungibility. But then art, in a lot of ways, is non-fungible, right? So I've got the original Mona Lisa, right? And it might be the same as a copy of the Mona Lisa. It might be very um, yeah, aesthetically, um, you can't differentiate. But there's only one original. So it's very much non-fungible. So you've got this um, method of uh, producing non-fungibility in tokens on the Ethereum blockchain and a couple of the other blockchains. And it's just going wild right now. I'm, and I'm so into um, just watching things like this emerge. Um, have a look at stuff like Ether Rocks, for example. These are pictures of rocks and people are buying and selling them for over a million dollars. I kid you not. Um, CryptoPunks, you can't buy a CryptoPunk for too much less than half a million dollars right now. It's a picture of a. It's a, it's a picture of a person. I mean, have I mean, got about two hundred pixels. It's not particularly um, you know, artistic. It's but it's a it's a it's, it's a basically a mechanism to kind of hold value in in scarcity. 
And I think that's really, it's just interesting. Um, there's this evolution of technology that is going at breakneck pace right now, faster than anything that's ever uh, rolled out in the technology world before. Way, 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 way faster than the, the, the dot-com bubbles back in the day. And this stuff, you'd need to be doing it full-time just to keep pace. Um, yeah. the, kind of, the kind of stuff that's being created right now. Uh, the whole the new financial world is being built in front of us in the, in the crypto um, substrate without shadow of a doubt it's it's crazy i have a, a good friend of mine chris that actually did nfts and they sold i don't even know so many millions of dollars in like under a minute or something and they just went crazy with shoes um the shoe industry and they had them on you know yahoo and all this kind of stuff but just it's crazy like the idea of it the idea of me wrapping my head around it is one thing but then yeah trying to stay current on everything that's going on it's like what is like just it's like boom 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 it's like i feel like i can't you know i can't read enough and do enough to like to stay on top of it like i had a lady just the other day at the coffee shop that was talking about NFTs. And I said, oh, I said, I heard you talk about NFT. She's an artist. And I said, I know a little bit about NFTs. I started telling her and she was, you know, in, I think, you know, appreciated the knowledge, but I'm like, that was information from like four hours ago. Like, I don't know what's happened in the last three hours and 59 minutes. So I don't know if that was up to date or not. You know, it's like, it's yeah. just an ever changing. It's just, it's pretty incredible. But I, I love that you're into that. I'm, I'm trying to dibble and dabble as much as I can to, to learn it. It's just a, a fascinating space. I think there's obviously the NFT stuff is, you know, the numbers that I'm seeing from people that I know directly, that it's like, God, that's incredible. Like what just happened right there? It's something else. So I have another question for you uh, outside of the crypto and NFT and all the other fun stuff. If I was to give you $100,000 to travel the world, where would you go first and why? What would be, I know you've been all over the place, India and all kinds of fun spots. Where would be that that spot that you, or spots, I guess, that you'd go to? Yeah, okay. Um, I think like, that's, that, that's probably the easiest question you've asked me all night, actually. Um, <laughs> Right now, where my where my head is at, and the the kind of level of business and you know crypto space and business and you know you know we've got a number of incubator um, of businesses that we're incubating and that it's just the, the mental bandwidth is at capacity and I think actually it, it lends itself to need a particular type of holiday and that that type of holiday is a beach <laughs> with, with no internet. It's not a city break or it's literally as far from civilization as possible. And actually, my wife and I, this many years ago, we did this exercise. Um, we certainly didn't have the budgets back then, um, and now we don't have the time. We spun the globe, and if you were to look from space and find where you'd want to go, uh, we found an island called Bora Bora in French Polynesia that we, we considered just from looking from space, where would you want to go? You don't know anything else. You just, yeah, and then that was where, we, where, where I think we'll we'll take you $100,000 and, and spend it wisely. Um, and really, this, you know, obviously a beautiful location, a million miles away from, um, you know, we, we wouldn't take our laptops or, or anything. And I think that's, that's uh, yeah. That's, in fact, that's that sounds quite appealing right now, isn't it, actually? That, <laughs> yeah. that's, Im that's important. It's so funny. I always tell the joke, and this is a serious story, where my wife and I, my wife would always ask me, like, we're going on a trip. Hey, are you going to bring your girlfriend? And so anybody would listen, like, what do you mean you have a girlfriend? It's like, no, it's my laptop because I'd be cheating with my cheating on my laptop with, you know, when my wife is there. And so she's like, you bring your girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, early on in the business. Like, I got to kind of bring my girlfriend. And people are like, what is going on over there? What do you guys do over there? I'm like, don't worry about what we do. I'm just bringing my girlfriend. Okay. Just know that that's how I have it. You know, it's like, that's what we do. Yeah. All right, Ryan, this was awesome, man. This was a, this is great. I love your, your energy is, is something else, man. Like I know people aren't going to hear the, the, the audio of this thing, but like just your, you've got this, uh, this energy about you that's, that's really, really awesome. And it's a very, it's, it's rejuvenating, I guess is what it is. I, I love the energy. Keep it up, man. And if, 
anybody wants to get in contact with you or find out more about SoPro, like how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, brilliant. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. And it's been my pleasure. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate uh, being on and, and chatting. It's been a great, uh, yeah, great catch up. I'd love to hear from anybody. If, um, if you'd like to go to SoPro.io, um, you'll find out about SoPro. If you would like, my marketing guys will kill me if I don't um, drop in a code. So if you go to SoPro.io slash offer and stick in a code POD01, you're going to find some discount there if anybody is considering uh, outbound B2B sales and thinks we might be able to help. Um, so we'd love to start that conversation. Um, loads of cool stuff on the website. We probably actually publish all of our client stats live. Um, so you get a sense of how SoPro performs um, before you take the plunge and give us a try. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see you there. And obviously you can contact me directly. My contact details are on that website uh, as well. So yeah, look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Ryan, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. If you're listening to the podcast and you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe. And please write a review to tell us what you like about the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Next week, we'll bring you tips and advice from another marketing leader. So stay tuned and keep getting better at business and marketing.